turn around and find the open man. Leonard raises up. Nothing with the bottom. Ridiculous. Wow. Three on the three. Spurs by a deuce. Or just come in. Come off and shoot it. Harden. Blocked by Leonard. Nene. Blocked by Aldridge. Spurs basketball. Oh, what a play. Oh, what defense. You want stops on demand, Sean? Yes, I you do. Got him. Sean, Sean Elliott sounded like he couldn't catch his breath watching Kawhi Leonard dominate on both ends for the San Antonio Spurs. Seku Smith from the Hang Time Podcast here. Lang Whitaker, my main man in New York. Yo. Ready to argue, fight, claw <laughs> about the MVP debate that is going on. And uh, joining us to uh, do some of that fighting and clawing. Nathaniel Friedman of GQ, you might remember him or know him as Free Darko. Nathaniel, how are you, sir? And are you ready for this crossfire debate between you and Lang Whitaker about the MVP? I'm good. I'm not sure I know who the MVP is, so I'm looking forward to arguing about it. <laughs> Who's Nathaniel Friedman? Good question. That one. I, well, look, I'm going to recuse myself. No, 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 no. You can't. I can't you, recuse you myself be, from this argument since I since I do the MVP ladder every week. You you write the MVP ladder <laughs> on NBA.com. <laughs> You've been writing about who's the MVP should be since the beginning of the season. I know. I know. And I, and listen, in in my defense, I've had Kawhi in my top five fence basically all year, except for a, a stretch where he was injured and he kind of dipped out of the top five. But I, my contention has been since he dropped thirty five on opening night against the Warriors that. With Tim Duncan gone and the Spurs poised to continue this, you know, ridiculous run of 50-win seasons, that he was he was ready to vault himself into that conversation. I don't think anything's changed just because he had a magical sequence the other night against Houston. He he should have been uh, in in your consciousness if you're talking about the MVP for me from the start of the season. I don't I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I just think it's kind of ridiculous that it took that sequence for him to get noticed or for his name to come up in a lot of people's minds. But Daniel, didn't you write about him this week for GQ? Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's one thing, too, that I think, you know, Kawhi is not highlight-driven as a player, and we love highlights. And certainly, you know, someone like Westbrook or Harden just manufactures them every night. And I think part of it is, like, you get highlights, you get a scoring outburst, like you said recently, and all of a sudden people have something very familiar to grab onto, and it's like a wake-up call. It's like, Oh, I guess he is this, you know, hypercharged wing who's dominating the league. But yeah, I mean, with Kawhi, he's ultimately such a weird, robotic, like, technically disciplined guy that it's almost when he only when he breaks loose like that and just blows up in a major way that people actually notice him. I mean, I think this week was basically about how Kawhi has reached a point where he sort of transcended the Spurs, would be great anywhere, and is getting the recognition he deserves despite the fact that he is such a blank. Person, it's like his his game has reached a point where we almost give him a narrative, despite him having no personality. Can I? My argument against Kawhi Leonard as MVP would be last night when <laughs> when they sat him and they didn't. They said you get the night off, and they still beat Sacramento without they did, him. They and did it, have to stage the greatest comeback of the Greg Popovich era to do it. Sure, I mean, <laughs> but they still won. You know, to me, that it just speaks to. I mean, and I'm not. I don't. I don't. I, I agree. He should be in the conversation, but I, I also think it speaks to to the organizational structure around him, the teammates that he has. Um, he's in a really good situation, and and I don't know how valuable he actually is to that franchise 
I'm not saying he's not one of the best players in the NBA, just in terms of pure value. I, I think maybe Greg Popovich is more valuable to that team than Kawhi Leonard is. Well, I think I think my whole thing, to be really quick about it, is that, um, and I'm not even a, I mean, I'm like the ultimate Westbrook fan, and I'm really high and hard this year, so I don't even know why I'm arguing for Kawhi, but I think my <laughs> thing with him and him transcending the Spurs is, yes, the Spurs are the Spurs. They're always going to, you know, you can take away their best player, and they're still going to be able to compete, but... And I usually hate best player on best team, right. but he's just—he's reached a point where I think you can separate him out from the Spurs, where you can imagine him on any team, and where the level he's playing at is not just a function of that system anymore. Yeah. Do do, do you think that's a valid argument? Just in general, I, I've heard people make that the last few days about well, if you took this guy off this team and put him on that team, and you know. Like I've had a lot of pushback from people about the MVP ladder earlier this season when I had Kevin Durant up high before his injury, and they were like, well, he joined a 73-win team, and they're not better. And I was like, yeah, but he joined a 73-win team and instantly became the best player on that team. So why would he Why would he take a step back at all in anybody's eyes in terms of being an MVP candidate? I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I like the, the whole, you take this guy off that team and put him on another team and... And and he's this or that. Well, you take Boogie Cousins off the a crappy Kings team and put him on a Pelicans team with Anthony Davis, and he's still getting Boogie Cousins numbers, and they're still getting the same results. I don't. So I don't know if that's a a, a fair assessment of a guy like Kawhi. We have to compare it to something, don't we? I mean, I, I, uh, how else are we going to decide which one's the best? Well, because it's not which one's the best. We're talking about which one. Oh, and, yeah, whatever, and whatever the, the the complicated matrix is for the most valuable player, which has never been clearly defined, it's, yeah, I don't think it's ever been clearly stated. Well, is this guy the most? LeBron's the most valuable player every yeah. year, based on what right. team team results and whether or not he's on that team. I think that's clear. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think they also there's a fallacy here because on the one hand you've got best player on best team, which right. Whether or not it's it's a fair thing to make because the best teams are not just good because of one player, and then you've got a situation like Westbrook or Harden, where the entire team is built around them. You simply like it's you could not if you take Westbrook out of the Thunder and put someone else in that position like that's like a five or six win team. Right. And and in Houston again, you've got an entire system constructed around the fact that Harden is both he's both like a creator in the playmaking sense and also a. This, vociferous scorer, and that just like enables you to have all these shooters everywhere. And uh, yeah, the Spurs are not built around Kawhi in that way, but again, if, you're, if you do subscribe to the best player, best team criteria, then he has to be there. But you've almost got this year, he's got some guys who are at one extreme and then like Kawhi's at the other extreme. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really a question of how we want to define MVP, and it would be nice if just once someone would do that. Yeah, I, I would be all for somebody coming up with some benchmarks. I, I'll tell you this. Tuesday night, I watched the the Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers up close. First mm-hmm. time I've seen the Thunder play in the flesh this season. And I, I have to admit, I was I, – and I, and I said this to Matt Tumbleson three or four times during the game line. How in the world does Russell dial up the energy yeah. night after night to play like this? It, I mean, it was staggering. Watching him, he, when he's in the game, he has the ball in his hands. He's facilitating for Russ, first and foremost. And he's having to do this on every single possession he's on the floor. That said, at the end of the game, I was, to me, it was like, wow, I, I realize now he's going to put up triple-double numbers all season. And it's it's going to be, not in vain, but kind of like futile. Like, I know that 
no matter how much he does that, it won't result in the Thunder getting past maybe the right. first. They might not make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Well, that, but that it's a function of the team. Not, not and, I, and I'm not saying that that he's doing it at, to the detriment of his team. I'm just saying he's going to be able to put these numbers up without it having any effect on their bottom line in terms of what what their ceiling is as a team and how much they can win because there's just not enough help around him for for him to use this triple double season to propel the Thunder into a conference final or or deep into the playoffs. I'm I literally do not see any way even with him going berserk yeah. that they'll be able to last you know, two rounds into the playoffs. One thing I want to say when you talked about seeing him in person, you know, last year I covered them in the playoffs a lot and mm-hmm. uh, saw them in a couple of different rounds and was at a bunch of those Western Conference Finals games. And I I talked about it with Nick Collison, actually. I, I said, seeing Russ from courtside, sitting up close and watching him, it's like the guy in um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> the guy who could run across the surface of the water. You remember that? That's that's what it reminded me of, the way he goes just full speed, and, and then he stops. Just like yeah. no player in the league goes that fast and stops that quickly that I've ever seen in person. And to, and for him to be able to do that every single game just blows me away. In the same sense, though, earlier this week I was watching the Cavaliers play, and just LeBron, he does it a lot more effortlessly, but he's still physically just imposes himself on in, on the game in a way that I, I, I don't remember seeing, maybe ever. Just his, his gifts and his talents are just unbelievable, yeah. and they're still that way after whatever, a dozen years playing. And the two of them, to me, just physically, I think, have separated themselves in a way that I, I don't remember seeing before. Just two guys who physically are, are to me, far and above the rest of the league, but... For whatever that's worth. Does it make any sense that I'm less inclined to stump for Russ after watching him the other night? I mean, I don't know if that makes any sense, yeah. But like, I was. Why is it? Believe it or not, I was, I was, I was unimpressed with his. Like, it it dawned on me, like, you know what? These triple double numbers, and what have we had? Eighty-two triple doubles so far this season in the league overall. A record. Um, Alfred Payton has had back-to-back triple doubles. No knock on Alfred Payton, (laughs) but I'm saying. There, there's been a piercing <laughs> of, of, of sort of a knock on Alfred Payton. Yeah, I mean, there's been a piercing of the aura of the triple double for me this year when Julius Randle gets him when he feels like it, and I don't, I don't know if, what to make of it. Is it, is it the way the game is played now? The, is there something that's changed that's made a triple double so much easier to get? Well, I don't know. It's not that much easier. I, I'm, I just called up the stats here. Uh, Russell Westbrook has 30 triple doubles this season. James Harden has 15, LeBron has seven, and nobody else has more than four. And and Draymond Green and Nikola Jokic have four. Uh, otherwise, it's it's basically a whole bunch of guys with one on the season. Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying we it's still a record, and we got what 19, 20 games left. I'm, they're going to crack triple digits. Yeah, in the league this year. And I'm just saying. Well, seventy of those are going to be Westbrook. To me, the Russ thing, to me, the thing with Russ, and this is maybe why he gets a little unimpressive, especially while we all sort of have Westbrook fatigue, is that he's still in the void. I mean, Westbrook yeah. to me is very much kind of like I, when I watch him stylistically, there's not there's not so many similarities, but it's like he's sort of peak Iverson in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, he's he's there. He's absolutely unbelievable in terms of intensity. Uh, the way he like, shows up every night and just tries to kill people is absolutely ungodly. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at someone who had, if he was having like a 28 and 7 season for that team, 
we would be impressed. We wouldn't be talking about his MVP. It's somehow, it, you know, it's getting that like extra one to two assists or <laughs> rebounds a game that's got him up in the stratosphere and got people saying that if you don't give him the MVP, we're going to be, you know, remiss as a culture. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's, I think, I think what's interesting about Harden is Harden's numbers, if you just tweak them a little bit, are almost as good. But somehow, because he isn't clearing that triple double ceiling every single night, you're not hearing Harden like vaunted in the same way. I think with Harden, it's, it's more of a look how good his team's gotten, look at how he's adjusted to a new position. But no one's really talking about his numbers in the same kind of exalted way. Yeah, I, I feel bad because I feel like this is yet another season when LeBron is going to finish third or fourth, you know, and and people mm-hmm. will have decided he's already got four of these things. We're not giving, you know, like I, I feel like some of the voters have that backlash. Like we've already given him enough MVPs; he doesn't need another one. But really, at at the end of the day, when I look back at the ex- entire expanse of a season, expanse of a season, LeBron is the most valuable human being in the NBA. He's not just the most valuable player. Like literally, his presence alone has determined right. that his team, the the team he's been on for six straight years, has played for a championship. Yeah, that to me that should qualify him. As MVP, and I and I feel like this is the same foolishness that people ran into when Michael Jordan was playing, and when they were giving out MVPs to other people, you know, because you can have a great season, yeah, you can have mm-hmm. a, a superior individual season, maybe statistically or whatever, to what the best player in the league has. But at the end of the day, Jordan was the best player in the league every year. He didn't win the MVP every year, but during that stretch when they started winning titles, there was no doubt about who the best player was, and to me. LeBron is carrying that same flag right now, no matter how we look at it, no matter – I think last year, would he take that two weeks off or whatever last year during the regular yep. season? And that kind of – that washed him out of a lot of people's, you know, ballots in terms of, of winning the MVP. But at the end of the year, they were, to me there was no question. This was the guy who who would most impact the championship race in the entire league for the umpteenth year in a row, and he didn't win the award. I, I texted Nathaniel about this yesterday, and mm-hmm. and maybe this doesn't. Maybe LeBron doesn't get mentioned this year for whatever reason in that MVP race, like you're talking about. But mm-hmm. maybe we should be qualifying him in a larger conversation about the greatest of all time. I mean, it's kind of hilarious that you've got a guy where the conversation around him is this year, as it is every year, is LeBron the greatest player ever? But he's so taken for granted that he's he's going to be voting. You know, it, it, there's a, there's and because I think too, it's it's part of what makes LeBron's claim to that potentially so so sticky is that he is st- he is still arguably not even arguably I think we'd all agree he is the single most important player in the league. There's yes. no one who gives you a greater chance to win than LeBron James, and that's right. only emphasized by a season like this. Yet somehow a season like this isn't in the eyes of the people voting on the MVP going to be worth the recognition, even as it's like the kind of resume bolstering thing that helps his greatest of all time play. Do, do you think? Wait, and and this is on the heels of him. Don't forget, last year coming back from a three to one deficit in the NBA Finals, which no one's ever done. He does that, and we're still like just kind of overlooking him this year. Do you think that for a guy like LeBron, who's been in the spotlight since he's sixteen, you, do you think these are the kinds of things that still serve to fuel him, and like that that he's he's at the house, and maybe his his sons who are locked into basketball probably going, man, Dad, you know, you know. <laughs> We know you're good and all, but you do realize that James Harden or Russell Westbrook's going to win the MVP. <laughs> like, like he, he's got to take heat at his own house probably about the fact that he's not going to win the MVP this year. 
I kind of thought he was going to come in because he was like riding high after the title, after you know coming back and winning a title. Because you know, if you look at how he, sort of his whole vibe in the off season, it almost felt like he was sitting on top of the world and he just was going to try and sustain that forever. And I felt like you know he wasn't going to take it easy this year. He was going to try and keep that momentum going. And I think the funny thing is he can do that, and still it just sort of goes by the wayside in terms of who we're looking at for voting. Um, and I think you're right. It's it's it is the best season people look at. I mean, think about it. Like Derrick Rose won that MVP, that now is completely anomalous. Yeah. So he's going to be the only person who's won the MVP who is in a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And that's you know, and the sort of the flip of that, you've got the Lifetime Achievement Award. You know, like Malone's MVP, or like how for a while it was it was sort of like, oh, we could always give it to Duncan. OKG okay, should probably get one. You know, it was just there were people in line for it. And I think what makes this year kind of exciting is it does feel more wide open. You do have these exciting season narratives, and LeBron is, you know, if Kawhi, best player on best on one of the best teams, is is at one extreme, LeBron's even further to the other side. It really is yeah. that best player in the league, no brainer. It's like how Shaq, you know, Shaq yep. was the same way with voting every year. Yeah, you know, you, somebody brought up a really interesting point to me. He sent me an email about this. The two names everybody has on the tips of their tongues for MVP: James Harden, obviously, and Russell Westbrook. Uh, lead the league in turnovers and are going to shatter the record potentially <laughs> for turnovers. No, see, I mean, I I never thought about this. This never even crossed my mind. This is a guy named uh, Michael Hatch who sent me an email about this and said he's been watching the NBA since the early 60s. He said and he can't ever remember having an MVP who led the league in turnovers per game. And and the idea that we're going to have two guys this year potentially that could finish 1-2, smash the, the record for turnovers. Because there's... They're also going to smash the usage rate record. Well, exactly, and that's my my point being, and the question being, I I told him, I said, well, maybe it's a sign of the times. Like, the fact that the game has changed and we're in a completely different era where something like that could happen. We're going to have some kind of jump-the-shark moment if, you know, one of these two guys winning the award with usage rates that, that have never been seen before. But also, it almost has to come in tandem with that, doesn't it, that, if you're going to have two guys that handle the ball as much as those two handle it, that the, inevitably there's going to be a dark side to it, like the turnovers or something else would right. be a, a, a blemish on that. I think it's it's totally uh, symptomatic of the game right now because remember Nash always had tons of turnovers, and I think the Suns are you can't talk about the current NBA without thinking about the Suns teams. And I also wonder, I'm not the best analytics person in the world, but turnovers might just be one of those stats where people have decided that, yeah, it comes with a high-usage player. It comes with this increased kind of output that's going to lead to this rash of triple-doubles. I mean, turnovers are kind of just trying to create as much as possible. Yeah. And you're going to, you know, it's it's a high-risk approach and it's a volume-based approach, but apparently teams can get success doing that. And I feel like turnovers just may be something people have to live with. I think people are starting to live with it more when you with Steph Curry the last couple of years because he 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 makes some incredible plays and he makes some terrible turnovers oh, too. Right, still, he still does. Yeah, yeah last night against the Celtics, he had a couple. It also, you know, we always used to hear people cite assist to turnover rate as a stat that mattered a lot, and now I don't remember hearing that in a long time. Like yeah. it's almost like turnovers. I think kind of to Nathaniel's point, it's people are just like, okay, well, you're going to have some turnovers. We can live with that. You know, it just, it, it, we'll overlook the turnovers as long as you keep stuff in the other three categories that people actually care about. Yeah. When, when does the last time in, in either one of your memories, do you think we've had an MVP race that was this deep? I mean, 
we did, we haven't even talked about guys like Isaiah Thomas, who's having an outstanding season in Boston. Um, again, I mentioned Durant, who got injured, but who certainly would have been in this mix. There was, there was to me at at one point at the high point of the season in the MVP conversation, there were six or seven guys who mm-hmm. could lay mm-hmm. legitimate claim to be in the MVP. And, and you know it it has a way of working itself out and. We have a primary, if you will, which is the first half of the season. And then you have, you know, the real deal, which is what they do down the the stretch of a season. But I I thought this was about as deep as I could remember in terms of legitimate candidates, guys that you could say, hey, he's the MVP, and and he would have a a pretty ironclad case for being MVP. I agree. I I can't remember – seems like the last four or five years there's sort of a consensus by the time the season ends and we all kind of – Everyone who who has a vote has kind of decided. Okay, well, we know it's going to be Kevin Durant or it's going to be Steph Curry. But yeah, this year it, it seems like this year there's there's so many different candidates that you could vote for any one of three or four guys, and and people won't really have much of an argument. You know what I mean? Like you can you can build a strong case for any of these guys, and if if you vote for the person who doesn't end up winning, people say, okay, I, I see why you voted that way, but. You know, it, it's 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 a flat category this year that that, that are, there's so many different choices and ways this thing can go. I mean, part of it too is we're we're dealing with guys who aren't already surefire sort of Hall of Fame caliber guys. I think it's a weird thing this year because, like I said earlier, you're looking at players who will sort of have their legacy cemented if they win an MVP this year, right. as opposed to guys who it's just sort of who are going to win it at some point, just a matter of when. Um, and I think again, LeBron. I mean, the more we talk about him, the more I think that LeBron is the only logical choice. <laughs> but outside of him, well, outside of him, though, that you you do start to get into into just who's having the most interesting year. Yes, and and yes. who and who who do we want to elevate once and for all? You right, know, right. Westbrook wins one; it actually legitimates his triple double season. Yeah. If he doesn't win one, the whole thing just goes down as kind of a weird stat heavy farce. Right. If Harden wins one, it's like, oh, this guy totally redeems himself. This is the the, uh, the Rockets are a true powerhouse. Right. Reinvented uh, themselves, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know what's weird? Yeah. I was looking it up just trying to see where did Oscar Robertson finish in the MVP mm. voting the year he averaged a triple-double. He didn't win it. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't win the MVP and I thought there's no way a dude averaged a triple-double for a season and didn't, you know, and walked away without the MVP award. He didn't win it. Who won it? Bill Russell? Bill or Russell. Or yeah. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Oscar Robinson, if, he, if I'm not mistaken, John, he was third or fourth that year. What year was it? 67, right? Wilt, that was also Wilt's 50-point year. Yeah, and Wilt, that was, yeah, I mean, yeah, Wilt, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so maybe this is the most interesting MVP race since then. But that, I mean, it's staggering to think that one of the, that's the other part of it. One of these guys that's not going to win it, is going to have an all-time great season. I mean, Harden is leading the league in assists and top three in scoring. And there's a chance he might not be the MVP. Like, that's crazy to me. I was also just, while you're talking about this, I went and looked. 61-62 is when he averaged 30.8, mm-hmm. 12.5 rebounds, 11.4 assists. I was wondering how many uh, turnovers he averaged that year. Mm-hmm. And we don't know. They didn't keep track of him. Oh. Well. <laughs> Maybe that's another reason that it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just think it's we've had years where the to me the MVP is a lot like the slam dunk competition on Saturday night during All Star Weekend. Some years it's riveting, it, you know, it's something that carries on all year long, and you know you you can't stop talking about it after it's over. And in other years, 
it's a footnote that, that nobody really talks about afterwards. This is one of those years where the MVP race, to me, is almost more intriguing than who ends up with the number one seed in the East and West because if we end up with the results we're expecting in the finals, it could be it could be Golden State and Cleveland again for the third time and nobody will blink. Well, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be basically what we thought was going to happen. I don't know. Did anybody have a clue? To me, Harden has been a, a, a complete surprise in this MVP conversation. We had no idea Kawhi and would be in it and what the Spurs would do sans Tim Duncan for the first time in all these years. I think we assumed that Russ would at least be a candidate because he was going to play with a chip on his shoulder all year after Kevin Durant leaves. But it's it's largely been a surprising field, you know, that we have in, in the MVP conversation outside of basically LeBron, who's who's in it every year. It's right. It's been more intriguing, I think, and a better story than anybody could have imagined. I don't think people thought Durant would be in this conversation. You know, no, that's another good point. Yeah, I think with him leaving, you, you figured the backlash would be that he wouldn't be in it. And he's going to be surrounded by so many talented guys that they're all going to take a step back a little bit, you know, and yeah. uh, John Wall, I don't know, if, Isaiah Thomas, these are names that right. I don't think people thought before the season that these guys would make these leaps and, and become the type of players that we're talking about in the, in this conversation. Yeah. There's also something about the fact that we're even, we're even considering someone like Russ, where that team is, they're going to make the playoffs, but yeah, they're not a stellar team, and almost every year, someone like that wouldn't even sniff the you know the top three, let alone be one of the serious contenders for it. And it's almost like this year the the, the awards opened up in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're considering players who are just having cool seasons, as opposed to applying some of I think what are the usual criteria of how good your team's supposed to be, um, how well you're going to you play with other people every night, you know, sort of what the what your overall effect on on the league has been, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, if you've been the defining player that season, you know, like Curry's been the last two years. And I just don't think mm-hmm. it's almost like it's wide open because there's no one having that definitive season. Yeah. I mean, this is a really bummer thing of a thing of a thing to say, but it's almost as if there is no perfect MVP candidate, and that's part of why it feels open. Yeah, I guess. I guess again, maybe it's LeBron. Maybe we're just overlooking the obvious here. But there are kind of there are holes. There are holes in everyone else's case. There are yeah. holes in Westbrook's case. Yeah. You know, Harden is, is having an amazing year, but it's not like the Rockets are the best team. And then Kawhi, everything we said about Kawhi that can be used against him, and it's yeah. it's only LeBron where you can safely say that there is nothing wrong with LeBron's MVP candidacy. Yeah, I mean uh, the fact I that poke, I can poke a hole in it if you want me to. Well, well, I mean, the, one thing, though, Lang, the fact that the, the Thunder are not even going to sniff 50 wins is another, you know, uh, MVP marker that, that usually, you know, it's usually a guy who's on a team that has won 50 or more games, and and that's not going to happen in Russ's case. But go ahead, Lang, poke, poke, poke away at LeBron's that MVP uh, legitimacy. <laughs> this might be harder than I thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the one thing I would say with LeBron is, is he's – I think he's clearly coasting a little bit, and they're—I mean—they're forty-two and twenty right now. He's playing with uh, maybe the best one-on-one player in the NBA alongside him, so he has that to go to. And there's parts of of almost every game where you see LeBron 
kind of take a step back. And maybe this is the smart way to play, where he takes a step back and he kind of just lets other guys go and coast for a couple minutes, a half maybe, so he's ready to go at the end of the game. That's the best I can do as far as poking a hole in terms of, especially if you put it next to the way Westbrook plays, where he doesn't take anything off. I mean, maybe if anything, he takes off some plays defensively, but when he's yeah. on the court, he's got the dial turned to, you know, 28 every but, single time. Yeah, but then the analytics guys will come in and poke holes in that and say, well, Westbrook's efficiency numbers pale in right. comparison to LeBron. Like, there's always a, to me, LeBron's the one guy that whatever argument you make, against LeBron, there's a counter-argument that's stronger for him. Everybody else has some holes in there. Like, we can't ignore the fact that James Harden is still an Ole defender. You know, right. that yeah. that doesn't go away. The fact that his as for as high a level as he reaches on, on one end of the floor, he basically goes through the floor on the other end. You know, to yeah. me, that's where, that's where LeBron and Kawhi's arguments strengthen right. to me. I think also there's an interesting thing with where you, with LeBron where, you know, and you're talking about him, how he sort of takes time off and coast. I just think of that as LeBron is a very wise player with an immeasurable high basketball IQ and he goes <laughs> with a lay back. Sure. And I think that's, that's another part of it, too, is if you look at especially Westbrook and you look at Harden's situation, they've kind of had this system built up for them to succeed in. I mean, the Thunder are hardly a system. The, uh, the Rockets are very much this whole sort of magical, crazy pinball machine that allows Harden to run wild. The thing with LeBron, and it's always going to be cool about LeBron, is he's constantly, like, updating and reconfiguring how that team's working. You know, it's not sort of like a vehicle for LeBron to be really good at put up numbers. It's something where he's actively involved in almost like a point guard way in making decisions about, okay, who needs to get involved now? What's our attack going to be now? How am I going to – how is what I'm doing going to dictate what this team does right now? And I, I just, I mean, that's the kind of thing about LeBron that continually blows you away if you start to dig beneath the surface. Like, yeah. there's, there's always that intelligence behind what he's doing. He's never just sort of set into motion to, to put up big numbers or to win games with his offense. Yeah, he, and I he think takes that, on such such a level of responsibility. Yeah, I think that's what makes him the best player yeah. in the NBA to me. But at the same time, I think maybe if you take him off that team. And you have Kyrie and Kevin Love healthy. I mean, how how no. bad would the Cavs team be if you take Russ off that Thunder team? Uh, you, I don't think they're even sniffing the playoffs. Yeah, but last I checked, when Kyrie and Kevin Love were playing on teams without LeBron, not together. But I'm just saying when when LeBron was not factored into their equation, they they weren't even on teams that sniffed the playoffs. I agree. Their I fortunes agree. have risen significantly since playing with LeBron. Listen, LeBron is like. That little app store icon on my computer. There's like, there's always a red, you know, a red circle with like nine yeah. updates, you know, needed for LeBron. He, seriously, he's he's not only playing, and and you look at his number. It's no other dude who's been in the league as long as he has can play at that level, and he's poking the front office, and yeah. he's you know he's standing up and and making social statements during the election. I mean, he does how he does all of this, how he can compartmentalize all these different things and still yeah. stay on top of the league is remarkable. And you know what? The, you're right. Nathaniel, the more we talk about this, the more I keep thinking, you know what? LeBron's getting screwed. Like LeBron, <laughs> this is probably LeBron's award it, and he's not going to get it. I, I, again, I think this, this all, all this talk I mean, and talking about the way he, 
mentally prepares and is able to com- compartmentalize. Did you, I don't know if you saw earlier this week, one day he tweeted out, shout out to Slam Magazine, just for no reason. <laughs> he said, just because they've always been there since day one. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing that, you know, you realize he's just like sitting around one day and he remembers some part of his brain kicks in and says, hey, remember <laughs> that story from back then? Like, he, 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 he doesn't forget anything, yeah. and he keeps this catalog of everything in his mind. And I think that's what makes him sort of a basketball maniac, and that's what you have to be to be one of the greatest players of all time. That's what Michael Jordan was as a competitor, right? Yeah. And that's what LeBron is as a basketball player, and that's what makes him the greatest player of all time. I don't know if it makes him the most valuable player in the NBA this season, though. That's, I mean, that's a perfect place to end this conversation. And I, I feel like we've done all this yapping. I don't feel any more confident in yeah, my neither. argument right now than I did when we started. <laughs> I, I, I could go I, like I, seven I, different I ways. Like, I feel like we could either go with LeBron, who, I mean, this is one of those moments where I realize we almost underrate LeBron <laughs> because it's not just it's not just that he's. It, I mean, this is insane to say. It's not just that he might be the greatest player of all time. It's that he might be the greatest player of all time, and he still is doing stuff all the time that we don't even take into account because it's so subtle. But it's like you could go with LeBron, who is that kind of evergreen pick. Or you just almost say F it and go with Russ because we're just having that kind of crazy wide open year if you don't feel like voting for LeBron. Yeah. And I think the intensity Westbrook is playing with every night is just, it's, that is as remarkable to me as the numbers. And it's almost seems strange to not reward a guy who's, it's like the fact that he could play that hard every night and do that much for a team and just be that bonkers. That, that deserves some sort of award. I don't know if it's the MVP, but we don't have anything else to give. <laughs> Maniac like a, of the year award. Mount Dew Code Red award or something. <laughs> yeah. what, one last thing so the, that we didn't mention. There's there's 20 games left for most of these teams. Yes. Like what, what does one of these guys have to do to separate themselves over this last quarter of the season? Well, I would tell you that if Russ averaged a triple-double the rest of the way, that would be remarkable. But, hell, he's doing it anyway. I mean, it, I don't know that he can do anything – I mean, what could he do? Forty point triple double, a string of like seven straight forty point triple doubles. I don't know. I, I don't know. He could fall off. I mean, if he doesn't, it, the thing with Russ is, uh, even though I'm saying that I think he's just as impressive if he's at like thirty eight and eight. If Russ doesn't average a triple double on the year, he's not going to the MVP. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me throw this. At, I, I saw this this morning. Um, Tom Skoka, who writes for Deadspin, had a thing. Mm-hmm. There's player A is averaging twenty six point three points six rebounds, and 3.4 assists. Mm. Player B is averaging 25.1 points, 8.2 rebounds, and 7.8 assists. Like, way more rebounds and assists than mm. player A. About the same points. Mm. Player A is Kawhi Leonard. Right. Player Player B is Westbrook. If for the rest of the season he plays every game and doesn't score another point, have another rebound, or have another assist. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Like, I, I, when you put it that way, it's like okay, he, he's doing some pretty remarkable things there. Yeah. The only the only difference is if we were just doing it, if it was ever an award that was based just on a guy's individual numbers and and kind of the the stat line he puts up, Tracy McGrady might have had an MVP or two, or you know, there's some other guys throughout the history of the game that might have had MVPs. Dominique Wilkins. Yeah. Sorry. I cannot. Dominique. I can never subtract team success from the equation. That's always going to be a part of my my basis for who gets this award is just you know, if you if if those numbers were were matched up and then you put the win loss numbers for both guys up and one guy's team wins sixty some games, the other guy's team wins forty two, well there's my that's what separates the two guys to me. Not that that's a that's not that either one of them has control over that. 
who they play with uh-huh. and what team they're on. But I got to have something to separate them. That's why I think Harden might win. I mean, if, again, if Westbrook doesn't <laughs> clear a triple-double on the year, his candidacy just goes out the window because that's sort of the benchmark we're looking at. To yeah. make him to, and I think with Harden, it's like you've got the stats, you've got the dominance, you've got the team playing well. He's almost the middle-of-the-road pick. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, not, yeah. he's not a safe pick like LeBron or even Kawhi, who's like a very conventional model for MVP, especially if they get the number one seed. And he's not Russ, who would sort of shatter all the standards we have for MVP. I mean, Harden checks enough of the boxes and does enough that's both sort of new school and more traditional. I mean, he's he's an MVP everyone's going to feel good about. There's not gonna, that's not going to be a controversial pick. Yeah, a well, lot of a, a lot of it is the narrative too. Let's let's admit yeah. well, that a lot of times the narrative carries the day. Last night in that Celtics game, I, I saw a Steph Curry that I, I don't think I'd seen a lot this season. It seemed like he found some some swag yeah. and found a little bit of pep in his step. What if what if he flipped the switch this last twenty games? He and could, becomes, and he could without Durant in the mix, he could go berserk. You know, and they're gonna and they'll and they finish with and the they best fin- record. Yeah, they can finish with the best. Re- I don't. You know, look tune it, tune into the Kia race to the MVP <laughs> ladder on NBA.com the week of. Uh, April 9th, when I will have the final ad. Listen, I am killing it. I have nailed the MVP the last three years on the MVP ladder. So it's, well, whoever I pick is going to be the guy that ends up winning, if based on recent history here. So um, I feel good going into the, the stretch run of my season, trying to figure out who the MVP is. Uh, Nathaniel Friedman of GQ joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Great discussion not didn't didn't end up being the debate I thought it was going to be crossfire style with you and Lang, um, <laughs> but certainly a great discussion about this year's MVP race. Um, appreciate you coming on and joining us, man. And always good to talk to you and hear your insights about the game. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That was that was good. Thanks, dude. Lang from one MVP discussion with Nathaniel Friedman to another with our main man John Schumann and the Schumann stat. Tell us what's up. Hey, man. You tell us, smarty pants. What's going on? All right, I'm going to make one quick MVP argument. Yeah, we, I want to hear who your take is. Real your quick. No, no, and, and don't at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> when I look at MVP, I like to look why a team's winning, right? Right. And so this is why I had the huge argument with the Derrick Rose MVP. Uh, oh my gosh! You're still ago. on that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, right. Because the Bulls won go. with defense. Bulls won with these defense and depth. Let so that that was my argument against. Uh, so here, here's my argument. Number one offense in the league is the Golden State Warriors. Mm. They have Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. Right. Number two offense in the league is the Houston Rockets, and they they have one guy generating a huge chunk of their offense. Mm. And so there's my MVP argument. You're basing that just on. Who has Number, the best offense? No, I just base it on why the MVP candidates' teams are winning, right? right. So, what so would, Oklahoma City is 20th in offense. Right. And so Russell Westbrook, yeah, huge, carrying a huge load offensively. But so is James Harden, and his team is 18 places higher in what, offense. What do you think happens? What do so you what happens, happens for a guy like Kawhi Leonard then? Wait, wait, what do you think happens if you swap – Harden and Westbrook. If I you hate give Westbrook, if you give Westbrook four of the other top twenty-five three-point shooters in the NBA as teammates, then then they're not four of the top twenty. 
<laughs> they're, not make, they're not hitting as many threes. Right. Honestly, okay. they're not. He's, yeah. James Harden is just a much, much better passer. Yeah. He really is. So Russell Westbrook gets a lot of assists. He, James Harden is a much better passer. Right. So he's a much more willing passer in this system too, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like he has to – that has to be a component of what he's doing, whereas Russ – I watched him shoot the other night. They're just asking him to come down and freelance basically every possession. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it's fantastic. I, mean I, I, hate, I don't want to take away like what he's doing is ridiculous. But yeah. like, this is a great. I mean, these are four great players, yeah. and that, my argument is, I stick to why those four teams are winning. Now, Antonio's winning with defense, and Kawhi Leonard's a big part of that. They also win with a lot of depth. I mean, that's just that team is just really good from one to ten. But they have the number one defense, <laughs> yeah, and the number a, one defensive player in the league, right? I think we all. So just why is that? No, I'm saying why is that weighted less than the num- than an offensive powerhouse because with great offensive de- players? Because one perimeter player doesn't carry your defense as much as one perimeter player can carry your offense. That'd be my argument. Okay. I mean, they're, they I have number all- one defense in the league because they're really. Do you think they'd have the number one defense in the league all year if we use Langs? We'll take this guy off that team, put him on another team. Like put, if like, Kawhi wasn't a part Spurs, of it. No, I'm saying if, if Kawhi wasn't on, a part of it, would they have? If if Kawhi is replaced they'd with be, somebody else, would they be the number they'd, one defense? They'd be top five at least. Okay. Sure. I thought we all just decided that LeBron yeah. was the MVP. Well, that was <laughs> our that was the last yeah, conversation we had. Yeah, that's anyway. All right, let's move on. <laughs> we got to get to our, our trivia. yeah. Let's get to our trivia this week. What do we what do we got? All right, so we have – it's triple-double season, right? Mm-hmm. Triple-double – it's the year of the triple-double. We have, 82 we have of record, them, right? As of, as of number, Thursday morning. A record number, yes, 82. Record number of triple-doubles. Mm-hmm. Nine guys have multiple triple-doubles. Can you name – how many of the nine can you name? Okay. Uh, this is cheating because Lang already – A little bit of cheating. I just Lang already uttered this earlier. Let's, let's go, Lang. Oh, you did? I, no, he just well, – he mentioned several of the guys. Not all I looked at the list about two hours ago, but I, I mean about an hour ago. But I don't. Uh, I closed uh-huh. the, that tab. I don't have it open. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we know that it was Westbrook one, Harden two, um, yeah. and then Jokic had four. Uh, who else yeah. had four? LeBron. There's two guys with four. Le- LeBron, Jokic, right. uh, Julius Randle. Julius Randle. All right. Yeah, you definitely. If you call now, Julius Randle, you definitely looked at this earlier. So. Well, I mean, it's not hard to. Keep it, keep up with the list when it's been so, yeah. you know, so prevalent in people's minds. All right, three um, more guys, three more guys. Each of these guys have two. Alfred Payton, correct. Because yeah, I, yeah. I was on I was on the desk last night on game time when we were <laughs> we were Smitty and I were arguing by the way during commercials that we think you know everybody's talking about a four point line and all these different rules changes. From now on, you should have to get a twenty twin twin. You should have to get twenties across the board for oh. it to count. <laughs> As a Draymond. triple double the rest of the season, but anyway, we didn't Draymond. Yeah, so yeah, Draymond. You're right. Yeah, we didn't have him yet. So there's yeah, three, two more now. All right. Uh, there's one. Um, Giannis didn't Giannis have a couple? Giannis yes. has two, right? Yes. Uh, man, who's the last dude? Oh man, he did it with he did it with a he he did it with a, a different team than he's on right now. Oh, Schneider. Boogie. Boogie. Boogie, correct. Boogie, yeah. All right, yeah. so. Now, the second part of this uh, trivia question. What are, who are the five teams that have two different guys who have recorded a triple-double this season? Mm. The no, guys we have already mentioned, the guys with right. multiple, there's... There's five teams that have, that have had 
somebody else in addition the, to that guy with a triple double. Right. Yes. Two of the guys that we mentioned have teammates that have recorded triple doubles. Is Golden Golden State? Correct. Golden State, Draymond, KD and KD, KD. Correct. And, yeah. Kevin Durant. What about Kevin Love in Cleveland and LeBron? No. Dang it! I thought Kevin Love had a triple double this year. Uh. uh Trying to think, what other somebody else? Anthony Davis has to have had one. Correct. Yeah, but no. but what are teammates now? Sacramento, right? But I'm saying team. Sorry, it's a team (laughs) with two guys that have have recorded triple doubles. Listen, man, I'm trying to get my SAT scores up here. Shoe, help me out, man. All right, I'll give you. uh, (laughs) I'll give you a couple hints. Uh, Two of them are Central Division teams. Somebody else in Milwaukee. Yes, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon, ah, that's right. Rookie. Uh, who else on the Central? Not Detroit. Indiana. Cleveland. No, they didn't have one. Who else? In- Indiana? Paul George had one. Yeah, but. Uh, he didn't have anybody else on no. It, no, he didn't have anybody else on his team that's had one. Chicago? Chicago, correct. Yeah. Who are the two guys on Chicago? Jimmy Butler. Dwayne Wade has had one. Jimmy Butler, yep. And, Wade, was, uh, Wade was a rebound away the other night. Who else on Chicago oh. would have had a triple double? Rondo. Rondo. Rondo had a triple double. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, that or not? How many? Let's see. One more. So we got we got we got Chicago, Golden State, and Milwaukee. Right. Two more teams. Two more. Two uh, more teams. Both Western Conference. Man. One of them has two. One of them is two high-profile stars. Mm-hmm. And the other one is eh, not so high profile, but Clippers. Clippers, correct. Mm. Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Blake and CP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, My team is tough. This team. I'll give you a hint. This team is playing really well after since the All Star break, making a little charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, correct. Yes. Yeah. Who are the two guys? Carl Anthony Rubio? Towns and uh. Oh, Towns and Ricky Rubio. Correct, Ricky Rubio. Oh my God, Lang a little, little. Yeah, there you go. A little what? love for Lang's guy, <laughs> well, listen, Ricky Rubio. Can we can we find a way to do a trivia question at some point before the season out on my main man, my number one captain confidence himself, Dion Waiters? I know I know he wants on the Hangtime podcast, and we got to find a way to mention. It. Is he not? Is he yeah. not balling out of Dion his mind? Himself? No, I want to get him on here. I th- I'm serious. Lang, you I remember we talked to him a couple I'm years ago. Look up. He's the best. I love I love Dion Waiters. I do too. Downhill Dion. <laughs> as they called Dion. him last year. <laughs> the, that was his Oklahoma. So last year I was there during the during the playoffs and one day at practice I was talking to him and 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 he was started talking about all these different like sort of pace and space terms and he was talking about giving up a good shot for a great one and making hockey assists and all this mm-hmm. stuff and I was like I think the um, I think he got it I think it's all clicked in <laughs> it comes and goes it comes and goes like I, he, there's, there's been games you watch him he's like a fantastic passer like a pick and roll pass like making pocket passes and and yeah. like drive drive to one side of the floor and then kick it to the opposite corner like but you know it's uh most nights he just like goes, I said he goes straight to Rucker I like it when yeah. he goes Rucker, like last night, where he's just <laughs> double pumping threes from. Well, look, yeah. He's got that thing where, like, he's got this, like, if he just shifts a little bit to his left and launches a three, like, you can see it, like, as he's going <laughs> into it. 
he's got this little like rhythm thing where he just shifts his weight a little bit to his left before shooting. I love it. Uh, I love it. I hope they get into the playoffs and play Cleveland in the first round just for the sheer entertainment of Deion Waiters going back to Cleveland. And, you know, last night you watched him, he's doing the fingers to pointing to the ground like, this is my house. I was like, man, this dude's my favorite. I love, I love the NBA. Hey, if I'm the guy going down to Miami to cover games three and four, I'm all for it. <laughs> no question. Shoo! Nothing like Miami weather in April is the best. My man. Appreciate you, dude. All right, fellas. All right. Thanks, John. John Schumann with the Schumann stat. Never, never, ever disappoints with the Schumann stat. Um, I'm going to fight Schumann to get that Miami assignment. <laughs> that out there. I'm a closer flight than either one of you. So how about I, you come to Atlanta and I'll just go to Miami. We, I had Miami last year, so I don't know. We'll <laughs> um, speaking of stats, I, I don't like the way these numbers are breaking down on bragging rights. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. Playing is pushing that lead out. This is disrespectful. I'm running. I got a little, lead now over Saquon. We've never had this much space between a, anybody and bragging rights, have we? It's a bit of a victory lap here. This is a. This Third, is embarrassing. Another one and two week for Saquon. Damn. Another two and one week for Lang. Clippers came through. Man, unbelievable. But this week we're going to start with a really interesting game that I'm going to be watching for sure. Pacers at Bucks. Yeah, you are. This, is a, this is a big game in the bottom half of the East standings. <laughs> the six seed Pacers, two and a half game lead over the Bucks in the ninth seed, tenth seed. Whew. Pacers at Bucks. I'm going with the, I'm going with Giannis in the Bucks. Yeah, I, I think I am also. Sorry, John. Hey, no, I'm I'm on board with that. I think we might be jinxing your team. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to. Saturday night, ABC Warriors at Spurs. Great game, by the way. Um, unfortunately, I think I got to work. I'm gonna be on. I'm on late game time, so I'll be in the. I'll be in the studio, wrapping that thing up at two o'clock. Warriors are uh, on the second half of a back to back. That game. Very weird trip. They're going yeah. to Minnesota for Friday night. Yeah. After one home game. Right. They play in Atlanta Monday at Minnesota, at home then at Minnesota at home and and fail at home. Atlanta was like at the end of a four or five game trip. Right. right. I'm um, going with the spoils, even though I. If if Kevin Durant was healthy and playing, I might have gone in a different direction, but I think I'm going to go with the Spurs. I'm going to be interesting here and go with the Warriors. Then we're going to Sunday night, another big game on ESPN, Cavs at Rockets. Oh, I love it. That's I'll a, take Houston. That's a trap game for Cleveland because Houston's going to try and shoot the cover off that thing, of course, and you go in there. I, I, say, I say the Rockets win that one. Cavs are also – that's Upset a Cavs City. second half of a back-to-back too. Upset um, City. I, I'm serious. You. If I don't dig out of a hole this week on bragging rights, I'm, I may actually – not going to happen this week. Concede the race. Behind. I know. I may have to concede the race here before the season's out. This is very disappointing. That's a spirit. That's, well, you listen. I got other things to worry about. I can't, can't take the agony of getting – my face crunched every week on bragging rights. So By the time Tim Tebow <laughs> and the Mets start their new season, Saquon's going to be out of it. My favorite Mets player. Nice, nice. Uh, bragging rights. Let's forget about this and hope for better next week. Uh, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge Dirk Nowitzki's milestone, the sixth player in NBA history to reach the 30,000-point plateau, joining Will Chamberlain. Carl Malone, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and now 
Dirk Nowitzki. Lang, any succinct memory of Dirk just in, in terms of where he fits in your mind about the NBA and, and kind of where he sticks in terms of his era and, and all time? He, to me, he's in the conversation with like Kevin Garnett as, as these positionless big guys who flipped the game and uh, made it okay for a big guy to be out around the perimeter and take, especially Dirk shooting three point shots and stretching the floor out. Uh, I, when he was like a second year, I think I went to Dallas and wrote a story about him. And mm. um, I remember I talked a lot to Holger Geschwinder, who's his, yeah. uh, his sort of guru. And Holger, I remember he, he said a phrase to me that I've never forgot. He said that at this point, at that point in his career, Dirk had, uh, he had the toolbox and he had several tools, but there were several more tools that they were still going to get into that toolbox. Mm-hmm. And I think they found the rest of those tools because he turned into to one of the greats. Yeah. I, my, for all that he did on the court and all of the 30,000 points and covering them in, in, during their finals run from the start to finish when they won a championship in Dallas, all that's great. But my, my most cherished and lasting memory is Dirk's, keen sense of humor um Dwayne Price was at a practice during that playoff run in Dallas we're all standing there practicing in like you know Dwayne Price f- from the Fort Worth <laughs> Star Telegram a true character if there ever was one John he had on ice a matching shorts and shirt with Crocs and the Mavericks are coming off the court in dirt I mean just beelines to Dwayne Price in front of everybody says, Dwayne, you can't wear this. He's like, you can't. He's like, did you really come in here with Crocs in a matching short set? He was like, you can't wear. <laughs> it was, we laughed. <laughs> everybody laughed for like the next six hours. It was just, it was the best. Because we were all making fun of, du- of Dwayne's outfit before. And it was cut off sleeves on the on the outfit. And Dirk just walked through. He's like, no, no. He's like, you can't do this, Dwayne. He's like, you cannot come to practice with no sleeves, a matching shorts, and and, and cut-off T-shirt, and Crocs. Unacceptable. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad he's coming back next year. Yes. I think a 20 is a beautiful round number for for Dirk to to ride out on if, if he decides to do so. And, and the Mavericks have gotten younger, yep. more interesting. Rick Carlisle, you know, will put the pieces together and and have them competitive. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of if it's his farewell season, you know, what they put together in Mavericks land. And shout out to Nathaniel Friedman from uh, GQ for joining us um, in our in our robust MVP debate. Our main man John Schumann with the Schumann stat. And uh, sh- obviously, you need to subscribe to the Hangtime Podcast on iTunes. Be sure to leave a glowing review. New episodes every Thursday this season. And let's go out with a little remembrance of the milestone for Dirk Nowitzki. 20 points is what Dirk needs tonight to reach 30,000. It's been an amazing ride for such a long time. As you reflect a little bit, it's always the hard work you put in comes to your mind. If you would have told me at 20 I was going to score 30,000, I would have said you're crazy. In his 19th season, the big game is called the Chiefs. Number 41. Down. That's fine. And Dirk looking to score. He scored for Dallas tonight, and he does. And it's eight in a row to start the game for Dirk. 
fake 21-footer. Good and a foul! Nowitzki is white hot! 18 points in the first quarter for Dirk. 29,998 points. He's about to get another one. Down low against Larry Nance Jr. Here it is! Every single point along the way and watching him hit nothing but net all night long. It doesn't get much better than tonight for a guy at that stage of his career. It was really amazing. The magnitude of this uh, moment is something that you know, we'll all probably need some time to digest. We saw how emotional Holger got. An extraordinary moment in NBA history that we have all witnessed tonight. 30,000 points. It was an unbelievable night for me. All your teammates and friends and fans that supported you. Had an amazing ride and some great times. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast and be sure to subscribe on iTunes a new episode every single Thursday this season and as always people remember say kuna matata